0: Today, as we turn to our time in the message, God, would you help us to understand what we're reading and what you would want us to take away from it, Lord, that in this life we would sense your leadership and your guidance. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, uh, our message is focus on Jesus, and we're looking at Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 36. And what I'd like to do first is kind of set the stage for what's going on. There's no one in all of human history like Jesus Christ. Born of a virgin with miracles that were documented part of history, things that people were talking about. uh, He was someone that people were paying attention to. And yet he grew up with a very normal life. And then he uh, is pointed out by his cousin, John the Baptist, as being the Messiah. And John was his cousin, somebody that he knew, somebody that he cared about deeply. And what had happened was John was killed by King Herod. And this grieved Jesus deeply. It really affected him. But right when he got news of it happening, there was a crowd of people that were gathering around, um, to listen to the, the, the teaching of Jesus, to see Jesus in person for themselves and for the miracles of healing that Jesus was doing. And this created a situation where there were thousands of people there that came unprepared for spending an extended period of time that day with Jesus and needed food. And Jesus did a miracle feeding more than 5,000 people this great brunch. And they were enjoying this Right near what's called the Sea of Galilee, which is a freshwater lake, which presently is the lowest freshwater lake in the world at around six hundred and ninety feet below sea level. So it's between a Transjordian desert and the Mediterranean Sea, and out of it flows the Jordan River. And you can still see it to to this day. And I just want to set a little bit of the the scene for what happens in this story, as to this day, the observable scientific facts are that this big freshwater lake, more than seven and a half miles across, has uh, some unique weather patterns. Because it's so low, below sea level, and for the most part, surrounded with several hills up above it, the water evaporates up off the lake. But the hills and the weather, the wind patterns keep this haze of moisture over the lake. And what happens so often is that in the late evening, there's a breeze that comes from the edge of the lake out into the middle of the lake. And then in the early morning, it reverses direction and heads from the middle of the lake to the shoreline where people people live uh, to this day around this Sea of Galilee. They can feel that breeze in the early morning. In the winter, there are heavy winds that come from the west, from the Mediterranean, and occasionally with storms that are pretty dramatic. And can cause this freshwater lake to have waves that are five and six feet high um, and that would would definitely make life difficult. And in the uh, summer, the wind comes from the east off of the desert in the heat. And creates even more dramatic waves, and that's the, a part of the observable weather patterns of things that happen to this day, um, even without something really dramatic happening. And at the time that Jesus was alive, fishing was a common vocation, and certainly was for some of his close followers, brothers that had their own business, and um archaeologists have found fishing boats from that time that could fit about 15 people that are around 26 feet long and and several feet wide. But because they primarily use these dragnets for for fishing, the sides of the boats were very low. The whole boat itself, um, a lot of it would only be about four and a half feet high. And so big waves like that were very dangerous, could sink a boat and could could cause everybody in, in the boat to die. And so that's a part of the setting of what's gone on. But remember, Jesus had just uh, heard the news of the death of his cousin, John the Baptist. And he, he hadn't had time to grieve the loss of John and think about it and spend time with God and pray. That wasn't uh, hadn't happened yet because the crowds pressed in. And, and what we see is that Jesus spends this time uh, teaching and healing and ministering to people. And then, and feeding more than 5,000 of them. And then what he does is he, he tells the disciples to get in the boat and to, Across the lake, and he he releases the crowd of thousands of people to their to their homes. They'd had a wonderful experience with Jesus, and as the disciples are going in the boat across the lake, Jesus stays there, uh, really you know saying goodbye to each person, uh, giving them a see you later um, as they went their different ways. Jesus waits until the last person had left, and then he he goes up onto one of the high hillsides overlooking uh, the lake and. And he would have had a view of the disciples in their boat as they are crossing the lake. And, and that's the scene for the story that we're going to get here. Let's turn to it. Matthew chapter 14, uh, verse 22. Uh, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. That's what I just described. While well, he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell. Night fell while he was there alone. He's having some quiet time um, with God, with Father God. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. And so probably three miles from the shore for a a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them. So they were probably fighting the storm for around nine hours. Uh, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Uh, When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. As he was walking toward them, don't be afraid, he said, take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gesetha. Uh, Get Center it. When people re- recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area, and soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. This is a amazing story, and it's a story that's recorded because uh, Peter and the followers of Jesus that were in the boat that day, they learned lessons from it that were important. Um, it was something that they remembered. It was something that they remembered to the degree that it's, it was important enough that it was written down in this account. And and what we see in the later passage is that they didn't record everything that Jesus said and done because it, it would fill more books than they, than they had at that time. But this story has an important lesson and I want for us to talk about what it meant to them. And what it means to us today. Because clearly it was a couple of things. One, it was a, 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 a moment of growth and development in their faith. Particularly in the identity of Jesus as a miracle worker. The son of God, the Messiah, the one sent. To bring about an entirely new covenant agreement between God and people. That they could be forgiven of their sins and have new spiritual life. Well, let's think about it for a minute. Some of them were fishermen by trade, and so learning how the wind and the waves worked and how the boat uh worked and what it was capable of, that was that was their profession, that's what they did, and it was a boat most likely of their own making. And so they were they were in a setting, now remember there, there's pressures of life. There's all kinds of unusual things going on. They're under Roman rule. Things are difficult. There are disease and illness. There are racial violence. At this time in history, they were, there were riots and, 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 and people that were killed out of racial tension and things that happened. And and John the Baptist had had just been killed by King Herod. And, and, and yet there was destiny and promise and new faith and vision because of who Jesus was and what Jesus was saying and teaching. And as they pushed out from the shore and started to head across, they had to have been wondering what Jesus was up to, uh, sending them that way. And and so there had to have been a time where they were they were okay in the boat. They were okay being in the boat. They were comfortable. And and a lot of it, you know, had to do with the the fact that they understood where they were and and, and what to do about that situation and in that setting. But then the storm comes in, and if it was one of these storms we we know from current. Um, scientific observation in the winter or the summer, if it was a storm like that, it would quickly have been something that could have sank their boat, something that they would not have attempted an overnight crossing. Uh, that would be very rare, uh, not something that they would have attempted. And, and waves five or six feet high, meaning above the height of the edge of the boat and if you've ever seen you know shows like uh, deadliest catch of the crab fishermen in Alaska the waves of the water can overwhelm a boat even beyond what it's designed for and so they were okay being in the boat at one point and now they are not okay being in the boat and for 9 hours they're fighting it it must have felt like an eternity must have felt like it was something beyond their control. And isn't it true that over the past year we have been in circumstances and situations that are beyond our control and in Baltimore city, we're already fighting a, a, a public health crisis of murder and gun violence Um the likes of which is beyond normal in human history to be sure, and, and the grief that comes from that, and the, a community that is traumatized that comes from that and I was so very sad to see the passing of, of Tater Barksdale uh, here recently by gun violence it was such an important agent of change in Baltimore city and, and i didn 't know him personally, but a number of my friends in Baltimore City knew him personally and so we have uh, people in Baltimore City who suffered trauma, trauma stacked on top of trauma that is uh, painful and difficult. And we, we certainly have a poverty in a very serious way in Baltimore City and the effects of opioid addiction, the heroin and fentanyl um, public health crisis in our city. and And then this past year, we've had the Coronavirus and its impact um, that has impacted Baltimore City significantly and, and has been beyond our control and and I don't know to what degree it's all affected all of you but uh, certainly there's pain there's suffering there's difficulty and and what we've also seen over the past year is is more racial tension than than normal and and, and precipitated by police brutality and 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 and, and state sanctioned. Death and, and, and great difficulty and, and, and where we should be in pain, where we should be angry. And yet what we see is that right now the average white person when surveyed is actually less interested in issues of racial justice than they were a year ago, despite even some having marched for that purpose. And so we have these difficulties that are beyond our control where we were okay in a life, in a place of our own uh, creation where we have created vehicles like they had created this uh, this this fishing vessel. We are in vehicles that we've created in our life where we feel safe and stable. And then in the past year, a lot has happened to really disrupt that. And, and no matter how you feel about masks and in and, and, and the reality of coronavirus, we have to admit that there is difficulty. And then there's also been suffering around family members, friends, coworkers, neighbors that have really different opinions about these things. And so we have reason to have experienced anger over the past year, reason to have experienced pain. And maybe we have even responded to God like Peter did. Hey, if that's really you uh, walking with some stability and some peace out on these waves. And let's talk about the waves, right? The waves were were high enough, were tall enough that if he was at the bottom of the wave, you are looking up to the top of the wave. Can you imagine that? Being pulled up and down and up and down. Being down at the bottom of the wave, looking up to the top. You, you can't see the horizon. But in that setting, Peter had faith to say, Jesus, if that is really you, call me to come to you. Call me to come to you, Jesus. And maybe we've stepped out on the boat. Where we and stepped away even from a life of our own making, uh, vehicles of our own making, in how we lived, and we said, "Well, that's not working anymore. Where I was okay, I'm not okay anymore." And we've asked Jesus. To, to call us into this new way of doing life beyond our comfort zone, beyond what we know, beyond what is normal. But then maybe even in that life and trying to respond to God, respond to Jesus and take steps of faith. Now the waves have us even getting lower than we did in the boat. And, 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 and now we don't even have maybe some of the vehicles of our life that we were comfortable with before. Now they're not even there as as much anymore. And what what does Peter do? He takes his eyes off Jesus. He looks at the wind and the waves and the conditions. And in that moment, he went from believing that it was going to be okay to maybe believing that it was not going to be okay. That maybe thinking, maybe Jesus doesn't have this figured out. Maybe the power of God is not enough. Maybe I'm going to be drowned and overwhelmed. But what happens What happens, even in his moment of doubt, fear, maybe anger, definitely hurt, disappointment, discouragement, Jesus sees him where he's at and reaches out his hand and rescues him from sinking into the water. What I want to say to you is that Jesus is enough. God has power that's available to you today God is through Jesus reaching out to you today whatever the situation is whether it's the circumstances in 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 the in the nation and the unpredictability of of political parties and government that maybe we sense some stability or even pride in in the past there's been disappointments there's been discouragement I think everybody no matter what their persuasion there's been disappointments and there's been discouragements but what is the answer? Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. It is Jesus who reached down, who rescued Peter, who pulled him up for the water. What was the lesson? They said, Jesus, you really are the Son of God. The identity of Jesus as Son of God, miracle worker, Messiah was confirmed in a powerful way. In a powerful way, the identity of Jesus is confirmed. It is the lesson coming out of the storm. And what does Jesus do in that moment? There's a conversation that happens. And in the days that followed with the reading that we have before us in the journey, what we see is that Jesus brought about new for them every day lessons to bring strength to their faith of growth and of development. It was powerful. But what, do we, what can be learned from this amazing story? What can we learn? Let's just make it short and simple. If, if focus on Jesus is the lesson, what, what, what did they learn that we actually see evidence of in the rest of Matthew's account of what happened and in the book of Acts, where we see the evidence of what happened with these followers, with Peter, with the others that were in the boat? Well, what it clearly meant to them And what it should mean to us today, what we learn is Jesus, the Son of God, is trustworthy. Focus on Jesus. Because Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is trustworthy. Even when we don't feel like that's true. Even when we can't see it. Even when our eyes get set on the storms of this life. Jesus, the Son of God, is trustworthy too. Jesus has the power over what we do not. They did not have power over that storm. They did not have power over whether or not the boat sank. Peter, when he got out onto the water, he did not have power over whether or not he dropped down or could walk on the water. Jesus has the power over what we do not. This is an important lesson to articulate. Three, what we see very clearly, if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we can follow him in ways and in places that otherwise we cannot. I think it's good and it's helpful for us to have a sense of understanding that we do need that help. And that it is possible for us to take steps that we couldn't take on our own strength, to go to places that we couldn't go out of our own strength, vocationally, in neighborhoods, in, in new opportunities to receive the love of God and share. And number four, this was further supporting evidence that forgiveness, salvation, new spiritual life are available through Jesus. This, is, this story is one of many points of evidence. And let's be real, if we use textual criticism, the way historians and, and archaeologists and, and scientists of these things use, we have way more copies that go all the way back to this first century of the eyewitness accounts of what Jesus did than we do of, of Homer's Iliad or, or any other ancient pieces of literature. The things that Islam wrote about Jesus were several hundred years after the events took place. We have factual evidence that's reasonable to believe that this story happened and that it had a transformational effect on the people who witnessed it themselves. It made a difference to them. It changed their lives. It was further supporting evidence that forgiveness, salvation, and new spiritual life are available through Jesus. Jesus. Listen, I think that there's a C.S. Lewis quote that I think is relevant to what we're going through right now. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. See, I don't don't know that um, in 2019, were we really listening to God? God's, this is, pain can be God's way of letting us know hey, something is seriously wrong and it needs our attention. And just because God allows painful things to happen doesn't mean that he enjoys it at all. He, he certainly doesn't enjoy it. He makes that plain with things that he specifically said we read in scripture. A lot of times there are things that are a result of our, our poor decisions. Um, the decisions of others are definitely in our broken world, but what we see is that God brings good out of painful things by using it to lead us to his comfort. Lead us to a realization that we need God. And I think that's a part of what's going on in our nation and in our world today. Listen, I know that a lot of us are still trying to figure out, process anger, pain, disappointment, discouragement that we have experienced and are still experiencing from the current events of our nation, of our world, uh, from things going on in our own personal lives. And it affects us all a little bit differently. For some of us, the events of DC is really discouraging, really disheartening, and others of us are not affected by it quite as much. For some of us, the The great challenges of Baltimore City affect us a great deal, for others of us not quite so much. For some of us, the pain and suffering of coronavirus affects us a great deal, for others of us not so much. For some of us, the opioid addiction in our nation affects us a great deal, for others of us not so much. For some of us the effects of all this strife and argument and and, and disagreement between people in, 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 in among the people we know affects us a great deal. For others of us, not so much. I don't know what has caused that for you, but what I do believe is that if you will focus on Jesus, that there is healing, strength, life-changing peace available. Here's what the... The full text of the serenity prayer says, God, grant me the serenity, which is peace, a life-changing peace and spiritual strength. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace— Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. I want to pray for you right now. Before we talk more about the implications and and practical next steps. I want to pray for you because maybe all this conversation has uh, made it be painfully evident that there are unresolved there's unresolved pain from the past year. And uh so what I'd like for you to do Jesus calls us to uh lift our cares to him because he cares for us. And that he'll lift heaviness from us and I believe that through Jesus there's a way of 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 peace, of grace, of spiritual strength that's greater than what we have right now. So why don't you just uh right now spiritually receive Uh, This prayer for you and what God has for you. Lord, right now, I come to you, Lord. and I myself have experienced great pain, anger, hurt, disappointment, discouragement, depression, anxiety over the past year and all the different things that have been beyond our control. Lord, and I, I join with my, my friends, my spiritual family today, and we come to you and we're asking you for help. Lord, we are in the waves, in the storm that is beyond our control, and we need your help. Lord, please, Lord we confess where we've been wrong. We ask your forgiveness. We receive your forgiveness. We reach out our hands to you, asking you for help. We make a decision to focus on Jesus. And I'm asking right now that you would do miracles of healing for each person. Lord, miracles, heart and soul. Lord, where our heart's been hurt or there's anguish or there's suffering. Oh God, in our our soul, with our mental health, our emotions and our decision making. God, would you send miracles of healing right now to each person? with whatever it is that they are going through that they like never before would be aware of your comfort aware of your strength aware of your freedom lord please do a miracle of healing lord in our spiritual health in our mental health right now lord for the trauma that we've suffered the great pain and the things that we have anguished over lord i say in the instead Let there be love, your love that is faithful, patient, and kind. Let there be life-changing peace. Would you help us to live out healthy, right-standing relationships with you and with others? Give us spiritual strength, I ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, you need help, you need someone to talk to, please reach out to us. You see the email address, the phone number on the screen. We want to be helpful to you. Come alongside you, share life with you. So let's talk about the implications of of keeping our eyes on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Remember, that's the main point today, the main message focus on Jesus. I'm not talking about being like an an ostrich with your head in the sand, ignoring what's going on in the world. No, that's not the life that God calls us to. But we do need to have a relationship with God that where we're drawing spiritual strength from God. And we live in a broken world. Clearly, we live in a broken world. And yet it's a situation where God, the giver of life, is available to us. And In that place of between the giver of life, the one true source of love, hope, peace, and joy, and living in a broken world, it's important that we balance that and that that we have seasons and daily times where we're closer to God than we are to the broken world. And then we go out from there receiving that healing, that spiritual strength to, to make a difference in the world. But how does that really work? Let's talk about... How do we focus on Jesus? And the reason that I want to talk about the practical implications of it is actually expressed in Hebrews uh, chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 that is talking specifically to people that lived in a broken world that was even more unsettled than our world is today and had just in chapter 11 talked about unbelievable, strong faith that different people had in their history that went through very difficult times, grieving the death of people, grieving the great difficulty that had been beyond their control. Uh, Picking it up partway uh, through verse 1, chapter Hebrews, verse 12. Here's what it says. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Come on, friends. Let's focus on Jesus. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. How do we do that? I'm so glad you asked. Well, number one through learning more about Jesus, through reading, considering what we read and sharing. And that's why as a church, what we're doing every day is we have suggested reading in the New Testament. We're started January 1 in Matthew 1 1, to learn more about Jesus. This is City Harbor Church, a safe place to find and follow Jesus. And we want to be on a journey together, connecting with God Growing in this faith and sharing it, sharing the journey with each other because that helps. It makes it easier. We're we're wired for connection. That's what we are wired to do in this world. So we want to learn more about Jesus through reading. And I invite you, I know it may not be easy, but it's easier when we do it together read about Jesus, consider what we read, think about it, and then share it. Let's talk about it. Talk about our questions. Talk about the answers. That's sharing the journey. So I'm calling you out of a place uh, of thinking that maybe you've got it all figured out. Uh, to a place of truly sharing the journey. Now, second, what we've got to do is we've got to apply what we've learned. It needs to be real in life today. So for example, just one of the uh, the lessons we learn in this story about Jesus is that Jesus has power over things that we do not. The wind and the waves. I mean, imagine what you would have felt like if you were in that boat, and, and and had fought a storm for nine hours. It felt like eternity. And then Jesus shows up. And then you see Peter walk on the water. Go down and then Jesus lifts him up. And the lesson is Jesus has power over things we do not. Because he is the Messiah, the Son of God. He's reliable. So we need to apply that to our own lives. Think about it and apply it. And one way that happens, number three, is to pray through confessing where we've been wrong, repenting from it, uh, turning away from where we've been wrong, receiving forgiveness and grace through Jesus. That's what it means to focus on Jesus, to look to Jesus. That's, That's the direct and immediate implication if we even just focus on the things that Jesus said were most important, the things that Jesus repeated most often. And the way that happens is we're going to God, confessing, turning away, receiving forgiveness and grace. And that happens through, through a conversation with God. Talk with God. Pour out your heart. Tell him what you're thinking. Tell him what you're feeling. Have a conversation with God. A very real, open conversation. God has time for you. God wants to hear from you. God wants to connect with you. And then when you're talking with God, listen to God. Listen to what it is that God has to say. When you do that in the context of reading the scripture every day to learn to think about it and pouring out your heart from God, you're in a better place to truly hear the voice of God, not just your own thoughts or somebody else's thoughts, things that are negative or things that are deceptive and turn you away. If I'm really pouring the best of my energy, is what Jesus called us to, to love God with the best of our energy. If I'm loving God with the best of my energy, focusing on Jesus, reading about Jesus every day, thinking about what I'm reading, applying it to my life, in conversation with others, in conversation with God, I'm talking it through with God. When I'm listening to God, I'm more likely to not end up in unreliable paths, but to truly hear the voice of God. Number six, what we should do is give thanks to God for all that Jesus has done for you, all that Jesus means to you. This should be a daily practice. Have a a quiet moment. Set a 60-second timer on your phone and think about the love of God revealed through Jesus. Just zero out everything else. Push away all other distractions and think about who Jesus is and what that means in your life and then thank God for it. Thank Jesus for it. It's a critical thing. Number seven, then what everyone should do, no matter what your thoughts are on this subject, is sing. Worship with singing. Wherever you are, Get find a private space. Go public with it. I don't care. But what we need to do is, in the context of this relationship with God, release praise, release worship. And maybe over the past year that has dried up. Listen, dig in. Focus on Jesus Give thanks and then sing your thanksgiving. Something spiritual happens on the inside of you. Something spiritual happens in your natural environment. What scientists know is that when we give voice to things, the vibrations actually change where we are. You will hear yourself worshiping. It it brings about a change. And then what I recommend, rest in God's presence. Have spiritual rest time where you're not stress praying. Where you're resting in that place of, I've been in a dialogue with God. I've spent relational time with God. I've worshipped God. I've given thanks to God for all the things that he has done and all that it means. For who God is, I'm seeking the giver, not the gift. I'm, I'm seeking who God is more than anything else. Rest in the presence of God. Number nine, think plan and take action steps in following Jesus. Think about how good it is for you. Think about what you've learned. Again, revisit it now after that time of worship with God. Think about it. And this is where we then pivot to think about what's wrong in our world, what's wrong in our home, what's wrong in us, to think about it to receive God's help, God's guidance for it. God, remember, God is alive, God is aware, God is able, and God is already active. So maybe what I shouldn't be trying to do is come up with my own ideas for things. Maybe I should be seeking God's ideas for things, and I have a much better chance of truly hearing from God about who I should be in relationships with, about where I should work, about what my vocation should be, about where I should go to college or anything. I have a much better chance of truly hearing from God if I'm seeking God for relationship's sake first and then following these other nine practices. And then I have a chance to discern the will of God for everything, including correcting what is jacked up on the inside of me in my home and everywhere I go. But it does call from us. I believe God calls for us to think about the reality, to make plans, and then to take action steps. But it's all in the, under the guidance of following Jesus. Let's think about this week, this month. What am I going to do I want to make plans for following Jesus and the implications of it. Listen, nothing is too complicated for God. Everything in your life, in our society that has various different layers, God has the wisdom for every layer. And if you will write things down, if you will think things through, go through, whatever whatever it is, it could be the decision of... Um, buying a home. It could be a decision of accepting a job. There are layers to that decision. Think through, write them out. What are the negatives? What are the positives? And, And invite God's guidance into every layer of the decision. This is a part of how following Jesus works. Focus on Jesus. It will help you. Number 10, my last one, share the journey for growth And development. If I'm going to follow the counsel of Hebrews chapter 12 to keeping my eyes on Jesus, following the example of Peter in that moment, in the storms, keeping my eyes on Jesus, that's going to include the realization that I read about as Peter went through many dramatic things, highs and lows, um, the favor of, of thousands of people and the persecution of thousands of people Peter went through. And it was guided by he was still in a spiritual sense, keeping his eyes on Jesus. He was thinking about who Jesus is and what that says to him about what he should be like today. Peter, that was his example. That was the example of of all the followers of Jesus, all the men, all the women who were leaders in in, in the church uh, in that first century. They were keeping their eyes on Jesus. They were keeping their focus on Jesus. Listen, for all that is messed up in our world today, God wants us to be a part of the solution. Some people will be called to be involved in politics, local politics, national politics. Some people will be called to be involved in medical research and development. Some people will be called to be in the business world. Some people will be called to be in the nonprofit sector. Some people will be called to be involved with church full time in everything that we are doing in our everyday loving God with the best of our energy and loving our neighbors in all of it, there is God's redemptive purpose. Keeping my eyes on Jesus is not just the same old, same old boring every day. No, it's exciting. It's vibrant. But what needs to happen for me to not fall on my face and to become a complete and total failure is I've got to focus on Jesus and then take steps of growth and development giving real serious attention to the strengthening of my faith and then the strategic foresight into what God has called me to do. That's what God wants for us as a church family. For the problems that we have today in Baltimore City and in our nation, they are complex and God has wisdom for every one of them. And God wants us to be a part of the solution. That's what loving our neighbors looks like. And that might seem overwhelming, might seem daunting, but it should not be because God has solutions for us, God has answers for us. In your own life, there are things that may feel overwhelming. I keep making that mistake over and over and over again. I don't know how I'm ever going to have the strength to overcome it. Here's what I believe if you will focus on Jesus, it will change. You will have spiritual freedom like never before. If you will share the journey, you will get wisdom and counsel and encouragement and strength and accountability as tools that will bring you to freedom and peace like never before. Our present and our future can be better, can be better through us focusing on Jesus, taking next steps in following Jesus, going about this journey together Truly us as a church family being a safe place to find and follow Jesus together. Let's focus on Jesus. Will you please allow me to pray for you again. God, I thank you for my forever family, my church family, my friends, all those who are watching this, Lord. There are so many things in this life that can be overwhelming to us. Lord, we find ourselves like Peter Down in the depths of a wave, looking up at the rest of what surrounds us, overwhelmed by it. But God, I believe that even when we are overwhelmed, you are not overwhelmed. You have peace. You have strength. You have help and freedom that is possible. Lord, help us to look to you here and now. To receive freedom and spiritual strength like never before. That day by day our faith would grow, would develop. Help us to focus on Jesus. Help us to be aware of your presence. Lord, to put out any and all distractions, to truly hear your voice with clarity, with simplicity from your guidance. So we would stop trying to pursue things our own way, striving in our work, but we would receive your peace that comes from following you, your guidance. I thank you for it, God. I thank you for what you're doing. We give thanks to you for your faithfulness in the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for sharing this with me. Remember, all the messages can be found at cityharborchurch.com messages and in your podcast apps and on our YouTube page. I'm gonna welcome in Rebecca now as we go for a time of worship.